Welcome, boys. Welcome, buddy. Buddy is here. Buddy is on fire today. So you can listen for that. We'll do our best to edit him out of existence, but his life force is way too strong for that. So listen for it in between the snappers, in between the listener mail. It'll be there. Buddy is here, and he's not going away, damn it. Let's get going. All right, you want to do uh, listener mail? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Let's do some listener Let's get mail. get all caught up here. Let's hear. We've been getting great listener. Way to go, listeners. Way to go. He loves us some listener mail. Lee from Courtney on episode 152, Reincarnated Dogs. Well, that was a thought-provoking episode. Death, dying, and all the accompanying bits. Like PJ, I've always been pretty convinced that when we die, that's it. Like his under-anesthetic analogy, we go to sleep and just don't wake up. We, like the Monty Python dead parrot, cease to exist. That's what I think. But of course, it's not what I hope. I hope that it's like KJ's theory. We get to mark our own homework and decide where to go next. I like that way of thinking of it. (laughs) The idea of just being absolutely nothing is very hard to actually comprehend. And mostly I try to turn my mind away from thinking about it. But as he said, as we get older, it's harder to do that. I would like to have another go at things, or as KJ says, many, many turns to move up a level of learning or whatever it is each time. And if I think about it, I think that there is evidence a person can ultimately achieve absolute perfection in one of their life choices. Look no further than I'm all Clooney. (laughs) And come to think of it, if I do get a shot at picking new parents for a future life, I call dibs on today's George and them all. (laughs) Great letter. Yeah. Lee. Also on the same episode, Nancy from New Westminster says, Hey dogs, very interesting session. And I appreciate KJ's view on what happens when we go happy. You took the risk to even bring this up. I'm on your side and have had several experiences being exposed to spirits that have moved on. Not something you can bring up in most companies. So I tend to keep my views to myself. There have just been too many examples in my life where I am left believing that there is something out there. My best friend was a diehard naysayer about anything outside of what you can see, taste, and feel. She was convinced when you die, you are gone forever. So when she passed, I wondered if anything would happen. I've had a few experiences where she made her presence known to me. One was through a medium who told me that she was very reluctant to come forward as she was trying to cope with her experience. A couple of messages were given to me that this woman could not have known about unless Susan told her. I think we just need to move forward with an open mind, and I hope you do continue to be brave and talk about it more. I thought that was a really nice note, and I really appreciate it. And KG, there you go. If you're Thank not you, feeling, Nancy. Yeah, yeah, if you're not yeah. feeling validated by that, you should be. All right, new comment on episode 153, Jigsaw Dogs, from Lee of Courtney. Hey dogs, good segment on jigsaw puzzles and PJ's new money-making ideas. I ran them past my husband Brian, who is a puzzler and enjoys the challenge. He thought the idea of the random extra 23 pieces could work, and he'd be interested in trying that. But he had concerns with the idea about taking a 1,000-piece puzzle and die-cutting it into four and doing that with three other puzzles and then essentially having four puzzles with four different scenes in each. He figured the labor costs could increase too much and would eat into the profits because he said where the quadrangle cutter, 
that term is Lee's invention, would come down and would either leave those quarters with all straight edges or the cutter would have to be a specifically configured machine also increasing costs. And someone would have to ensure the various quarters did fit with the others, so more labor costs. He had other thoughts, but I had kind of run out of interest at that point, so I'm not sure what they were. (laughs) But if he's ever on one of your shows where you're talking about puzzling, money-making ideas, small home reno, handy guy stuff, or of course kayaking and camping, he could give you guys his other thoughts on PJ's puzzle ponderings. That's funny. My, my, so, okay, fine, fine. We let that segment maybe go on a little bit too long. Okay, <laughs> fine. Well, I think I think she was saying that Brian went on a little too long in his. Yeah, uh, no, and so did so did I. I mean, I would I would go and argue all that, but uh, I appreciate that even any piece of it might actually be plausible because really, you know, like all my other money making ideas, they're not really intended to be very plausible. Al of Walnut Grove uh, for the same episode. A very quick one-liner from him. My nightmare tonight will probably be in the form of an unsolvable jigsaw puzzle. And you got to figure, there's a little insight into Al there. Like, I can guarantee you I will never lose any sleep ever over not having solved some jigsaw puzzle. In fact, if anything, I will take refuge in sleep if I'm not able to solve okay, a jigsaw Okay, but puzzle. it's a nightmare. It's not losing, losing sleep. It's having a bad dream. And your, your money-making idea certainly would make the puzzles way more difficult. Yeah. All right. And that is listener mail, whatever. I don't think we have a music soundtrack for listener mail. I don't think we need one either. No, I don't think so. I think the mail speaks for itself. That's what Buddy thinks too. KJ, you got any snappers? Snappers. Yeah. Oh God, that dog is driving me right nuts today. Yeah, well, he's fine for us because you're constantly dealing with him. Yeah, yeah. we appreciate that. it's no that. problem for us. <laughs> Okay, the first one is, I have two in my head. I won't look through my phone right right yet. The first one is, boy, it's hot in here. Boy, the weather's lousy. What, what does the boy come from? <laughs> or man. Man, it's hot in here. Yeah, there's man as well, isn't there? Boy, it's hot in here. Uh, man, oh. I'm going to say that man came from the 60s and the hippie movement. No. No? No, sir. No, okay, I well, predates this, that. I, I, would, I would sort of say that boy predates man. Would you? I would. That That's just my, so I, I don't know, I, but. There's man, oh man. Man, oh man. But, Jeez, that's interesting. I have no clue. Like, I mean, it sounds like you're thinking something like boy was something from slavery days or something, and well, you're telling the servant to cool the room off or something. But yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think I'm boy. I don't it's, think I'm buying that. Better listen to me, boy. Because it's an exclamation. It's because intended. when you say it, you just say it. You don't think. It's not an order. You don't think of boy. You don't think of somebody else even. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have absolutely no idea about the origins. I, I can't even, like, I like to guess. Yeah, me too. I don't have you. I, I don't can't have even one. come up with an obscure guess Cause why you would say, boy, it's hot today. It's just emphasis, but why is that emph- emphatic? I don't even know. Really? Because that's right, right? That's what you're saying. Man, it's hot today. Yeah. Exact just, same connotation. But you don't say, girl, it's hot today. But you do hear it said by women. Nowadays, and, and yeah. And it's nowadays, and it's probably... Uh, a thing, right? Like yeah. just, just kind of being, actually, I might take that back. When you often will hear uh, girl, something, something, 
it's usually a reference to I'm talking to you, girl. And that's why. I'm, so that's different than. than yeah, yeah. That yeah. led to my so, question. So, so I kind of rewind that and say, uh, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone use a girl in the same connotation as man or boy. But maybe man or boy started that same way. Like yeah, I'm looking yeah, at yeah. you and I'm saying man by you. I mean yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. it is hot today. Yeah, originally. Yeah. But boy, it is hot. I don't know. Mm. But I that got just reminds me of Robbie saying. At a girl boy, at a boy girl, at a girl boy. <laughs> Rob, you had all those unique sayings that you never heard from anybody else. Right? I don't remember him ever saying that, but it's absolutely <laughs> believable. Hundred, yeah. Ah, remember when he used to do that? <laughs> and uh, I don't know who came up with "handy like candy." That might have been a Robism. Handy like candy, but nice. Uh, are we going to just leave that one? Yeah, I think so because I think googling it could be quite the exercise. Uh, yeah, it might be really hard to find it. But. Okay, the other one in my head then is ersatz, mm. E R S A T Z. I think mm-hmm. yes. It, I just read by it someplace, and I thought, oh, you don't. I don't hear that one that often. Yeah. Okay, so R J meaning. Okay, this would be one of those words that I've heard several times. That I've never would have used myself, but ersatz. I'm gonna. Might be a little bit out on this, but it's almost like otherwise or once upon a time was or something oppositional in nature. What do you got there, PJ? It means fake. Oh, really? Ersatz coffee is coffee made from something that isn't coffee. But where the word comes from, I got nothing. It sounds like it might be So that'll be one something. of those words I've read a hundred times and not quite understood what it is, but usually you don't need to care. You yeah. just keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You better check, but I'm pretty sure it means well yeah. done, skinny. fake or artificial or sad. Buddy, be quiet. But again, I have no idea what the word origin, if I was going to guess, I'd guess Yiddish just because it sounds like some Yiddish kind of word. Yeah. Fake is, you know, the example you gave is a good one. Fake is a, is similar, you know, but not yeah. quite it, right? It's of a product made or used as a substitute. Yeah. It's typically an inferior one. Yeah. For something else. Ersatz coffee. Um, not real or genuine. Ersatz emotion. Yeah. You know, like when you cry your crocodile tears. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a word that I have misunderstood and... It just didn't seem to matter. Hasn't harmed you all this time. Just kept reading through and... Got anything on where it comes from? Because now I'm curious about Oh, yes, that. yes. Evidence of ersatz in English dates to the middle of the 19th century, but the word didn't come into prominence until World War I. Borrowed from German, where ersatz ah. is a noun meaning substitute. Ah. The word was frequently applied as an adjective to modify terms like coffee made from acorns. Yeah. And flour made from potatoes, ersatz products necessitated by the privations of war. Absolutely. Now, I don't really know what privations means, but do I have to? Well, you can infer it from that whole thing, right? I could infer it from the um, shortages of war. Yeah. Okay. From the from the duress, the hardship, hardship, yeah, you know, and privation several, is the yeah, same. Yeah, okay. By the time World War II came around, bringing with it a resurgence of ersatz products, ersatz was wholly entrenched in the language. Today, ersatz describes any substitute or imitation, especially when it's inferior to the original. Yeah. But apparently, you can still use it even if it's a better product. Yeah. 
but it's always debatable anyway. Like when yeah. would, when would something ersatz be better than it would have its own name? Cause it's so good. Right. Yeah. I've only ever heard it used in the inferior sense. Right. Only, only ever. Yep. Well, good. Thanks. Okay. KJ. Thank you. Good KJ. Work. Um, have we done Buffett? Nope. Don't think so. No. I see winds of war, Buffett humanity at Christmas. Hmm. So spelled the same as buffet. But pronounced Buffett. Buffett as in Jimmy Buffett. wins, right? Wins Buffett things. Well, it does not just wind, but yeah, it means bump you around. Yes. Bump into you and make you move, bump into things and make them move. And so where did buffet? Oh, it sounds French, buffet. Yeah. And so what, is there anything, should I make a correlation there or not? I mean, I could make something up. Nice. Shall I? Yes. You go ahead. So I can't buffet. Think of anything it's in elbowing in the buffet yeah. line. <laughs> you're oh, jostling man. for a plate, right? <laughs> and instead you're getting buffet, buffeted by the wind. <laughs> buffeted by the other customers. Yeah. yeah. Buffeted at the buffet. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't actually know. A buffet definitely sounds, but it might be one of those made up French words, you know, it's yes. made to sound like Target. Yes. Yeah. I thought I thought that was the name of the store. Actually, I think the first time I ever heard it was somebody mentioned Target, and I went, "Oh, oh it's a Target." <laughs> Even though the logo is a gigantic stylized Target, I didn't know about the logo or anything. I just okay. That's funny. Moving on. <sighs> Diegetic. Uh, by the way, as far as I'm concerned, the musical numbers in this film are 100% diegetic. No idea at all. I've never heard that word before. Yeah. Very sure. I mean, there's some other similar word that like diacritical. Or diabetic. Yeah. Diacritical is little marks, little like accents and whatnot. Is that diacritical marks? Maybe. I don't know. Like grabs. And then then you got diabetic. So dia as a prefix must have a kind of a a meaning, right? Like modifies. What was the word again? Diegetic. Diegetic. And can you can you give the sentence one more time? By the way, as far as I'm concerned, the musical numbers in this film are 100% diegetic. Okay, well, unnecessary maybe, or just modify it a little bit. They're uh, superfluous or not needed, or they're just like a little bit of ca- like candy. I'm just making a lot of different concepts <laughs> up here. Anything. Yeah, I got nothing. It might mean yeah. they don't go together. You know, they don't support the overall storyline. They don't belong in here. I don't have just nothing. So shall we? Yeah, we better. Cause yeah, do that one I for sure. Because uh, you'll you'll get of sound in a movie, television program, etc. That's pretty specific, isn't it? Occurring within the context of the story and able to be heard by the characters. So wow. So when you're in a musical and the characters suddenly bust into tune and or they go, what's that? Yeah. That's diegetic music. The music used is strictly diegetic, and the spelling is different than what I thought. It's D-I-E. Like, I was thinking D-I-A. Same. It's D-I-E-jetic. G-E-T-I-C. Is that a new, it must be new. Yeah. Oh, well, let's look at the uh, the origins then. There's diegesis. A style of fiction storytelling which presents an interior view of a world in which the narrator presents the actions of the characters to the readers or audience. Like music at a nightclub scene, 
but clearly the characters hear the music as opposed to the music that's a soundtrack that's meant to inspire you and to cause you to... I mean, what's what's odd about that sentence, the music in this film, in my opinion, as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, the music in this are entirely digest... Well, I mean, it should be pretty evident yes. in a film or a play. It's not an opinion thing. It's not as far as I'm concerned. Right. Oh, geez, I never noticed. You're right. <laughs> you know, like, no, I disagree. They were clearly unaware as they were singing along to the... You know, like, yeah, damn. yeah. Well, it's more than music, though. Here's here's one from Merriam-Webster. Diegetic adjective of or relating to diegesis. One of the primary qualities of those texts we understand as fiction is that they generate a diegetic order that has an astonishing independence from its text. Wow. Do you understand that? I no, understand I believe that. I've reached the limits of my dumbness. I just can't. Okay. I didn't I didn't get that at all. Especially existing or occurring within the world of a narrative rather than as something external to that world. So now that makes sense. That that basically says that if and, and music is probably the best example of that. Okay, here's another quote. What the film does though to really wonderful ex- effect is to synchronize diegetic sounds. Gunshots, explosions, tires screeching, windshield wipers wiping, engines revving, etc., with its non-diegetic pop soundtrack. Mm. So that soundtrack's not heard by the characters, but interestingly, they've got the windshield wipers yeah. beating in time with the soundtrack, stuff like that. Yep. And since Roma was such an incredible movie, and we, we discussed this at length in a previous episode, music is integral to the world of Alfonso Cuaron's Roma, but it is also incidental experienced only as part of the action. So I would have never noticed that. Yeah. So once you know that, then like, oh, there is no exterior. Oh, it's sound. all diegetic. It's all diegetic, right? So that would be interesting to go back and watch. I've seen it twice already. Such a good movie. The remarkable 2018 film contains only diegetic uses of music. No song is ever superimposed, superimposed over the deliberately paced action that takes place in Mexico City's Colonia Roma neighborhood at the dawn of the 1970s. Well, I feel like we may have reached the absolute kind of summit of posy words you can use. I feel like I'm going to try and work diegetic in as often as possible. Now. There you go. That and val- thus, thus validating that remark. If I you? get it in in the next week or two, I might be able to retain it. <laughs> But otherwise, it'll be a couple months from now. We're going, what was diegetic again? Does anybody have any antacid pills? <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling I'm diegetic. Feeling really diegetic oh, at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm hearing really diegetic right now. <laughs> I was supposed to play hockey, but I was feeling kind of diegetic, so I passed. <laughs> Music swells. <laughs> Just completely. Exactly. Just completely. Uh, well, that's a terrible word. I was running down the mountain sign and I heard the ride of the Valkyries and it was really diegetic to me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. And then a shot rang out. Your IQ partner just did you. <laughs> a dog barks in the distance. Yeah. Ready for more? Lay it yes, on absolutely. Miss Andry. M-I-S-A-N-D-R-Y. Oh, I know that one. I know that one. Oh, I do it. not, and I've heard it before, but I completely forget. Mm, yes, well, it is misogyny, but directed, there at, you at, go. directed at men instead of women. When I get triggered, it's often misandry. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> Let's just cut that. Is. Should we just cut that, guys? You're just saying that, but really, I'm, yeah. V-I-C-I-N-A-G-E-S. Vicinages. Vicinages? V-I-C-I-N-A-G-O-S. Vicinages. No, A-G-O-U-S? No, A-G-E-S. Vicinages. I say that that's correct pronunciation. Vicinages, right? Never heard that one either. Never heard it. I think vicinity. I, I let's let's work with vicinity. Well, I think it has to do with geographical parts of a city or something. I'm gonna. I'll look that up for us, gentlemen, because wow, like just use vicinities. It can't be that. Another term for vicinity. Oh, for heaven's sakes! Well, yeah. again, now we've got two words. If we ever hear and use oh. snidge, vicinage, snidge, snidge. It's cutting off the first. Yeah, uh, just sounds like what snitch. does vicinage mean? Vicinage, a particular vicinity or district, the district in which a crime takes place and from which the accused is entitled to have an impartial jury selected as required by the Sixth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Right, right. I'm sure I heard it in reference to yeah. some <laughs> case in the states. Yes, yes. Okay. There's all those words that are almost synonyms. Uh, but but they actually have a different context. In fact, I think almost 100% of synonyms are like that anyway. They mean almost identical things, but a vicinage is like a vicinity, but in the context of a legal case, there's there's usually context flavors they in, have flavors, in, in yeah. synonyms. Okay, yeah. Yeah. last one. Chevrotain. Holy smokes. You're hitting us with some pretty no kidding. hefty what is words going on here? over there. I've never heard that one either. Chevrotain is an additive put into gasoline. Nice. No, well it's done. a breakfast drink made from powder. <laughs> <laughs> the astronauts drink chevrotain. Uh, chevrotain. Chevro is? Chevron. As in what? The v horse. Shape. Horse. Chevalier. A chevron is a V-shaped insignia. Is yeah. that fair to say? Like a badge? Yeah. yeah. Oh, a chevron on your, yeah. your stripes. Or and a the, the gas company has a chevron in its logo. What is it again? Chevrotain? Oh, it's not chevrotain? There's, yes, it is chevrotain. Sorry. Chevrotain. Chevrotain. Good Chevro. Maybe it just means V-shaped. V-shaped. Yeah. That's where we're going to go. No? What well, is it? perhaps. Shall I look up this one? No, I know what it is. Okay. What do you got? What is it? It is the smallest hooved animal in the world. Oh. It's a little tiny little rodent, but it's got hooves. Oh. Nice. <laughs> That's one of those clickbait things. Never heard of it. Man, oh man, I just don't know. Well, science these days is expanding. Okay, so that's the end of um, Snappers. But before we go on, I'm, I have to show you my art because you showed your art. Okay. This is the one thing that I did in... Calgary. I brought half a suitcase full of pencil crayons and Did sketchbooks, you? and oh nice. man, I was—I oh, didn't bring well my acrylics, it. but you got acrylics too. This is, this is my first water. Whoa, watercolors! Watercolor. watercolor. Cool. That's pretty good. This is my. This is how I was experimenting yes. just to get the practicing. So this is uh, Susan's cat Emmy, and I was going to actually make. I, I've done pencil crayon on canvas. So I was, I'm quite proud of this. And so I show it to Susan. And she goes, oh, Emmy. And that was about it. <laughs> like. Well, still, 
The fact that she knew. <laughs> right? When That's you say, something. Yeah. Well, we got we got half marks anyway, right? But <laughs> That's the equivalent of what I get at dance. Good try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I thought, oh my God, I've got to frame that, or, you know, but no, not so much. And listeners, we invite your, your reviews of all the artwork. No, I don't want to hear their reviews of okay, my artwork. How about you, KJ? You want to hear some reviews? Yes, yes. All right. Oh, and the harsher, the better. Ooh. Yeah, constructively harsh. Have you ever watched that famous guy on... The famous with the afro, what, Bob, whatever his yeah, name Bob, is. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. I used yeah. to watch him on. Yeah. I think it was and, Sunday mornings. Yeah, and you just take this brush like this, and you just go like oh. that, and that makes the grass. Right. It was incredible watching that guy. Yeah, he, he did it with a paintbrush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tried doing that once. <laughs> I can't even remember. But now that I think of that guy, Bob, whatever his name was, I You'd, did try doing that once. Yeah, yeah. Take a broad brush and do the tree boughs. Well, grade eight art, you would have painted as well. What's your name? He did stuff. He would use the white on the edges of the boughs, and he would use it to make the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. He would do whole with one brush, right? Yeah, just dipping it like a three inch as he went. Yeah, like a paintbrush. Yeah. The only thing I used to think about him though was if you weren't into mountainous landscapes with a creek running through them, you were pretty much done. <laughs> like, cause they seem to all be that right. Like in my memory, they are anyways, which, and my memory is not a reliable judge. of. Anything. And there's a Netflix documentary on him as well. Bob Ross, Bob Ross. There you That's go. really worth watching because it wasn't that simple. There are business interests behind the whole things that were not necessarily friendly to him. Oh, I believe so that. It's pretty interesting stuff. Uh-huh. I'm going to, just because in my head, uh, somebody else who came to visit me in Calgary, I get a message that somebody's waiting for me in the lobby. Okay. And I see her. She sees me. She comes towards me. I, and I can, I, I got a hint of something in my head, but really, she hugs me. And I, as, as she's hugging me, I say, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and did it all go freezing? <laughs> she said, Donna. Anyway, it was, well, she introduced me to her husband and gave me a gift basket, and it's from her son who runs a brew pub or something, and it's a, like a basket, you know, wrapped with plastic and everything with that blue water bottle up there. It's yeah. called Cold Garden, I think. A baseball cap, a $15 gift certificate for to go in and sample his wares, a scarf and a toque. The really hazards nice. of fame, eh? I know. You have to develop skills you and I never have to deal with. Like, how do I not offend somebody who has a much more vivid memory of attachment to me than I have them? Yeah. Like, we don't have to deal with that. They just don't, doesn't happen. Yeah, no, People yeah. come up to him in the street and say, remember me? No, don't at all. Not even close. <laughs> Nothing. The end. Hey. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That's fun. Let's do it. I mean, I started to watch it, and I got, I I don't know, a quarter of the way through, and I just stopped for some reason. But then I rewatched the whole thing, just a couple of nights That's almost exactly what I did. Uh. I got in a little ways. I I don't know. It was like I didn't feel like I had the energy for this. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I just can't. I'm not doing this right now. And I just shut it off. (laughs) (laughs) And then I came back and watched the whole thing. Yeah. And then I came back and watched the whole thing and I enjoyed it. Even if I rewatched from the beginning. Yeah. But I don't know if I grasped the entire thing. It was really charming. 
Well, it's one of those shows that uh, I might watch again because you're just going to enjoy it all over again because yeah. there's so much going on. There's going to be so much that you spot the second time that you missed the first. Yeah. And even re-experiencing it, you're going to have forgotten a lot of the su- yeah. little surprise things going on. Very fun. But it's yeah. one of those movies where I think somebody makes a storyboard right before everything is shot, right? Yeah. And how much of that is translated like right into the movie? Right. Like, and is it the writer? Is it uh, the production designer who actually says, well, I think, or, you know, production designer would be on top of costume designer. Costumes are like the daughter's costumes and stuff when she gets into, or anybody's like the whole thing, but just the hot, the idea. And then those, the flashes of the faces yes. where you go through like a, a hundred yes. and you know, all the different situations yes. and that those are all set up, right? Like he, just all the different worlds and how, how that's much, all set up. And how much time did that take? I know. And I know. Uh, like it's just, it's, there's gotta be like 10,000 different images in that And show. the first fight with um, Jamie Lee Curtis in the office and the, all the guys are there, it's a very unique fight scene. Like they, mm. they're doing moves that you don't, you've never seen before, right? right. And he's got his little purse thing that he's swinging <laughs> around. And it's, it, it, it uh, now did you know it was Jamie Lee Curtis right from the start? No, I thought, I, this is somebody, and because her first scene is so big, I thought, this is somebody pretty big. You know, it's not just a, a day player here. This is somebody, but I, I did not know. No. Yeah, no, I didn't. I think a little while in, uh, I read something or something. I go, oh, oh, that's Jamie Lee Curtis. Because maybe I stopped a quarter way through too. I'm not sure. but I don't know if I would have realized it if I would have watched the whole thing. But the leading woman. Michelle Yeoh. But she's like a mega star in China. Yeah. And I didn't know that. And she was very good. Yeah, I didn't know that the guy, the first thing I thought, why did they cast a guy with a voice like that? First of all, right? Our lead man. Oh, oh right, right, right. And it's Short Round. Short Round from Indiana Jones. Short yeah. Round, the little kid, the little Chinese kid. Oh, wow. oh, okay. And that was his, oh, did you not hear his acceptance speech? No. No, I don't the, think so. Whatever it was, the Golden Must Globes or the Sags. Globes. But he, he, uh, he of course... Huge deal to be an Indiana Jones, even though he's like nine years old or something. Yeah, yeah. But then that was the end of it. Yeah. Thirty years later, he decides to audition for uh, for oh, this or something, oh. and they gave it to him. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. But you can just see the stars in his eyes as a, as a nine-year-old, right? Going, oh man, I've made it, and then and then. Yeah. Well, you yeah. wonder, did he stay in it all this time? I don't think he did. Wow, that's quite a story then, because you would, your first thought would be, this is awesome. And then you would think, I only ever really tried out for two things and I got them both. (laughs) And I spent 30 years not doing it. What was I thinking? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he had a nice job the whole time. Or maybe he did audition for a ton of stuff when he was 10 and 11 years old and then gave up. You know, I don't know. Wow, though. His character's great. The acting throughout that show is... Really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, but I'm I'm surprised actually that he won Best Supporting Actor because I thought he was a lead. Mm. Yeah, he seems pretty but like, but he's not on the screen as much as she is. Or the daughter. The daughter was uh-huh. also nominated as a lead. Well, I thought the yeah. daughter had 
Her character is important, but yeah. she was missing from a lot of them. That's movie. a that's well put. That's exactly right. Her mm. character was a way bigger deal, but okay, I might be wrong there. Maybe she was not nominated, but well, we're going to get to the bottom of this and hold you to task, if or yeah. some of our listeners will. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> so, what is the the general theme of the piece, or what is what does it do? Is it really this is um, uh, my daughter's friend? whatever her name was. This is my daughter's friend. She says to the grandpa, right? right Not right. my daughter's girlfriend. Right. And it comes back. The, the The whole big thing is to understand that, like mom finally does say, this is my daughter's girlfriend. And if I recall, the grandfather's accepting. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. But is that the whole thing or? I, I actually thought the theme of the whole thing was that love solves everything. That's what I thought it was. Y- yes. Just that. Yes, not necessarily da da da. It, the example given is resistance to a same sex partner, you know, and all the trouble and resentment and anger that cause of blah, 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 and it all gets resolved when he, when everybody finally opens their eyes and realizes there's nothing the matter right, with that. Right, it's the hot dog happiness. ladies. Yeah, it's all about happiness and love. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought the whole point of the thing was. Um, uh, maybe I'm. So I watched it a couple of months ago. No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's just that it starts that way and then comes around and it's the biggest emotional scene of yeah. the show is the mother-daughter at the end, right? Yeah. And so I thought, oh, this is, oh, but you're right. But there's also there's also a whole theme around the mother's life that she's going through life in a constant struggle. She yeah. never stops. She never has a moment for anybody else because it means so much for her, for the family to survive, right? for the laundromat to keep working, worrying about the money, all those bills on the desk, just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, the whole thing was, and again, the same thing for her, right? Like she finally comes to terms with the idea that all that crap doesn't matter at all that what actually only matters is happiness, right? That's the only, that was the takeaway for her. I I thought the whole thing and all that business of the daughter and her monstrous power and everything is just an expression of how strong feelings are and how corrosive they can be and how deep they can go and how they can color and dominate everything. And she's just a terrible monster because she's just hurt. (laughs) You know, like I, I don't know. What a great neighborhood to live in, too, <laughs> where you'd go down to the laundromat for a party like that. Yeah. Like, it just seems yeah. like a great place, and and yet it's kind of viewed as, you know, this is not the greatest life, I guess, but great show. Yeah. Oh, here's one, too. I forgot to mention this. Because I am pursuing my artistic inner self, mm-hmm. which I am, as you heard, I'm already sensitive to movie themes, beautiful <laughs> interpretive work there. I went to Beyond Van Gogh. Oh, you oh. went to that thing? <laughs> yeah, I did. Down in Surrey, was it? It was I in Cloverdale. Was... Clo- Cloverdale Agriplex, that would be which Surrey, is Surrey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was at the Vancouver Art Gallery, yeah? It wasn't bad. It was 42 bucks a hit, which I thought was a bit rich. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun in the sense that... I learned a whole bunch of stuff about Van Gogh. Like all my whole life, I've thought he cut off his ear over some love thing, over a woman. Okay, I didn't nope. think Nope, so. he just cut it off because he was having a huge falling out with his brother. And uh, 
I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you. I guess he didn't want to cut off his nose to spite his face, so he cut off his ear instead. And right after that, he went into the into the insane asylum. And they say he committed himself, but it was good. Short story, it was good. If you go see it, allow yourself more than an hour. And it was fun to see a whole bunch of his less popular work mm. and hear about why some of it was the way it was. The best part of his whole thing was... He did a lot of landscapes. He really liked, it was soothing to him to do outdoor landscapes. Multiple story nights. They'd project the work on walls in this giant room around you. Yeah, yeah. And if the work had clouds in the sky, they would make the clouds move very slowly. Right, right, Which is so cool. Yeah. And you know how that, you know how Starry Night, it's pretty abstract, right? It's an impression. Yeah. So his landscape is kind of the same thing, but my favorite moment was standing in this room with this gigantic landscape, French farmland and feeling mistakenly or not that you could clearly imagine what it really looked like based on this impression that you were surrounded Uh, with. It was really cool. Really strong. You say, yeah, no, there's the road. There's the stone fence. They're not Mm -hmm. clear in the picture, but you're sure that's what you're looking at. I thought that was the best part. And they had music. Was the whole thing kind of projections? Yeah, yes. It was all projections. Oh, okay. There wasn't a room with some little art pieces. No, and they they did stuff like uh, you find out, so you read a whole bunch of informational stuff on your way to the big room, right? And one of the things you read is he was always broke. Okay. Could have guessed that. And as a result, he couldn't hire models. And so as a result, he would do portraits of just everybody who would stand still. He would, and that's why also he did so many self portraits because he couldn't afford models. Uh Uh-huh, right, right. And they showed those all at once. So you look around this giant room and there's all these faces of all these people. And some of them are pretty good paintings and some of them, they just look monstrous. And you think, I don't know what the hell was going on there. And they grouped his work that way a lot. When did he die? What year? I don't know. He was 37 years old. So probably about 1894, 1890, something like that. And he didn't become famous till after his death? Yeah. Yeah. That always. And his brother always believed in him, ironically. Always believed that his work was great. I will say this one more thing. They had a gift shop outside. Outrageous. Whether the hot dogs at Rogers Arena are $7 (laughs) or 20, that gift shop made that pale in comparison. Just a ball hat, a snap hat, 47 bucks. A calendar, 32 bucks. They're all just prints. KJ has spent the majority of our session today on his feet with Buddy. But we hope you had fun because we sure did. Really appreciate your mail. Keep that coming. And KJ will keep those snappers. He was on fire today with the snappers. He really hit us with some tough stuff today. Mm -hmm. If you've got even worse ones than that, don't write in because we don't really like feeling that dumb all the time. It's not fun. Meantime, keep feeling smart. Keep being smart. And we'll talk to you soon, we hope. Take care of yourself.